0: You guys may be seated. Our kiddos are going to head down the hall for Children's Church. Zane is going to take them, and uh, oh, look here, Miss Jennifer, too. All right, guys, y'all go and have a good time. While they're headed out, I want to encourage our uh, our church family that um, to, to really pray about being a part of Vacation Bible School, especially our men. Uh, men, we need our, our young kids to be able to see men, godly men, that they can relate to and that they can... Uh, can look up to, and Bible school is a great way to build some of those relationships. I know a lot of times we think, well, we'll let the ladies do that. But I'll tell you what, our ladies have carried the weight for long enough. It's time for our men to step up and to help. Uh, we still need a few workers, and so I just throw that out there and ask you to be praying about that and not to think that somebody else will do it, but to jump in there and be a part of the blessing. Uh, you'll receive a blessing from this, and you'll also uh, be able to give a blessing. And so I ask you to uh, to really think about that. Well, today, we're going to continue our series in the book of Hebrews, we're in chapter 11, and uh, I want to read the first six verses to you, and this is where we'll kind of camp out together today. But in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, let's just read together in, in, um, in this first part of this chapter because this is the, this is the, the faith chapter, uh, it's been called the, the roll call of faith, it's been called a lot of different things. It's going to lay out for us what faith is and what it's not. It's going to give us examples of what that looks like and the many different ways that we can exercise our faith in the Lord. So let's read this together. It says now in chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. And by faith we understand that the universe was created And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And then verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So in this passage, in these first six verses, we see that, that there is something required of us if we are to live lives pleasing to God. And that something is faith. And this chapter is going to be all about what that faith looks like and what it is and how we exercise that faith. And, and faith is, is central to the Christian life because here he says that without faith it is impossible for us to please God. But thus the rub... What is faith? If, if I have to have faith or exercise faith in order for my life to be pleasing to God, then I need to know what faith is. If I told you there is this thing that you could do that would be pleasing to me, and I don't let you know what that thing is. Let's just say I make up a name, this, this, this name that's meaningless to you, and say that's what would really please me. And you're going, well, I, I want to be pleasing to you. And, and I want what I do to be pleasing to you, but what is that? It would leave you in the dark. And so the writer of Hebrews is going to define for us what faith is. And he starts this chapter by saying, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And it's the conviction of things not seen. And then he's going to give us some examples. The people of old, they did this. Then, then we've got this guy named Abel who did this. And so we've got a guy named Enoch who did that. And then he's going to go all the way through this list of Old Testament people and things that they did that were pleasing to God to the point that God commended them for their faith. That he he looked at them and said, "Man, that that excites me. That is that is pleasing to me. It is commended by God." And so, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's trusting God in the present for the future things that God has promised to us. It, it's it's this this assurance of things hoped for. And this is where we get off. I think sometimes in our understanding of what faith is. People will read that part of the verse and say, okay, so I need to, whatever I hope that I'm going to get, I just need to believe and trust God that he's going to give it to me. Because faith is the assurance of what I'm hoping for. But all the way through the book of Hebrews up to this point, he has said that there is something that our hope is grounded in. You remember what that something or rather someone is? Who is our hope grounded in? In Jesus so if what we're hoping for is the Messiah that's going to bring us back into right relationship with God, that's going to pour out his grace upon us and make us acceptable to God, that is the basis of our hope. He's not talking about this, well, I would really like to be rich. So I hope that one day I'm going to be rich, and I'm just going to believe by faith that God's going to make me rich. That's not at all. What he's saying? Well, I hope that one day I'll be loved or I'll be liked or I'll be popular or I'll be well known. That's not what he's saying. This this gets twisted so much to say, well, if you can envision it, then God's got to give it. If you can dream it, then God's got to grant it. And that is not at all what this this passage is trying to say. Our hope is in Jesus. And our hope was that we were eternally lost. And our hope was that a Messiah was going to come to set us free. And to put us back in right relationship with God. And faith is the assurance that God fulfilled that promise. Faith is the assurance that God did what he promised all the way back from the garden. That he was going to do. That he fulfilled that promise in Christ. It is the conviction, this, this heartfelt conviction of things that we have not yet seen come about. We're still alive. We, we, we believe and we have this hope that there is a heaven that is ours. And we have been invited to come into the presence of God boldly and confidently. And now faith is this conviction that even though I haven't crossed from this life to the next, that when I breathe my last breath, that's what he's got waiting for me. He talks some examples here, and, and then he comes back, and, I, and it's kind of a weird thing, but you're going, okay, he's going to have this roll call of faith, but he kind of jumps the gun. He talks about the, 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 those of old and, and how, that, how that they saw that God created the universe, and then he talks about Abel, and then he talks about Enoch, and then he goes, oh, by the way, without this faith, it's impossible for you to please God. Let's go back to the list now. So you go, why did he write it in that order? Was, was God just having one of those ADD moments You know, where he just kind of got started? Saying, oh, by the way, hang on, hang on. No, not at all. There, there's a purpose and there's a reason to, to, to what he's trying to say here. He's trying to say, look, I, I want to tell you that, 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 that this is what faith is. Let me define it for you. And then I want you to see this. This has been the same faith from the very beginning. Faith that understands that, 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 that all of creation came about By the spoken word of God. Do this. Go home. Take your Bibles out. And just read back through Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3. Genesis chapter 1. You're going to see this pattern. And God said. And it was. And it was good. Day 2. God said. And it was. And it was good. Day 3. God says. And it was. And it was good. Day 4. Day 5. Day 6. By the spoken word of God, things came into existence. And he says here that the universe was created by the word of God, by the spoken word of God, so that what we see right now was not made out of what was visible then. It's amazing what God did. What is here now was not here then. And and he says, look, this is the way that God works. He created the stuff that he created with. It's crazy. God made out of nothing. Nothing everything that you and i see i was walking outside this morning It was raining and i was taking the dog out and i was looking at the rain and said lord you made every single drop of that rain every drop you created every blade of grass every cloud in the sky everything lord that the the, the air that we breathe the people we live with we associate with the jobs that we go to lord you created all of that out of nothing and the people of old understood that, that God was the, 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 the originator of it all. You say, well, what difference does that make? It makes all the difference in the world. If you are just pond scum that evolved, there is no meaning and purpose to your life. But if you were created by the word of God, by the design of God, by the will of God, then you have meaning and you have purpose for your life. God doesn't create junk. He makes you with a purpose. And if you don't know that purpose yet, that purpose is to get to know Him. That purpose is to live a life pleasing to Him. Well, how do I do that? I live that life pleasing to Him by faith. So, what is this faith? It's, it's critical, but faith that's not correctly defined or understood can never be a faith that is pleasing to God. So let's say I read this verse and say, okay, without faith it's impossible for me to please God. So I need to exercise faith. So I just start really believing. I'm just going to believe that God's going to let this happen. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. I believe that God's going to let me be healthy. I believe that God's going to make me happy. I believe that God is going to make me rich or wealthy or popular or or whatever it is that I'm really, really, really wishing that I had. I'm just going to, okay, I'm I'm just really going to start saying, okay, Lord. I'm trusting you to make me that way. Well, that's not biblical faith. And that's not going to be pleasing to God. And so when we misdefine what faith is or misunderstand what faith is, then we don't live a life that's pleasing to God. And and there's much teaching out there today in our world uh, about what is unbiblical or about this unbiblical faith. And it's it's a faith that is not biblical. It's manipulative. It's misguided. And it ultimately leads to a devastating life. For the person who believes it. I'll share with you before my experience with others who have gotten off into some of this name it and claim it stuff. And then when things don't happen the way that they think they should. Or the way that they believed that they would. Then they are devastated with God. Because God did not grant what they really believed he should grant. And they're left just devastated. But the problem does not rest with God. The problem rests with their understanding of what faith is. And the same thing will happen to you. It's imperative that we understand what biblical faith is if we are going to live a life pleasing to God. So what, what is biblical faith and where does it originate? Well, the Bible is clear that biblical faith never starts with us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of work, so that none of us can boast. The, even the faith that we need to be, to be pleasing to God doesn't originate with us. It's a gift that comes from God. It never starts with us, but it, it begins with God. And, and what is so pleasing about our faith when we place it in God is this. It's really kind of a cool thing. When, when God looks at us and he sees faith, He's seeing that we are allowing him to work through us in a way that brings him joy. He's going, you know what, I poured out that faith and you took me up on that. I I, I gave you the the, the ability to have faith and you know what, you're you're bringing that right back to me. And that brings God pleasure to see his reflection coming back through us, to see what he's poured out on us coming back through us. And and it it shows him, it allows him to see himself working in and through us. So God, when we exercise faith, sees evidence of himself back in us. Now, faith is not us dreaming some dream. It's not us crafting a great big plan. It's not us in envisioning some future that we desire or even believing for the impossible that we want. That's not what faith is. Please, please gather this today. And I want you to take it and test it with scripture. Don't just take my word for it. But go back to Scripture. And every time it talks about somebody exercising faith, ask, was this the way it happened? Biblical faith is always a response to God's revelation. Always. Anywhere I've ever seen faith mentioned in Scripture. It's not that the individual comes up with a plan and says, God, i got this great big plan. And I want you to bless it. I've got this great big idea of how we can improve the world. And I just want you to rubber stamp it and, and, and let it be. The plan never starts with us. Faith is a simple response to what God has revealed about himself or his plan or his purpose or what he's about to do. Faith is always originates with God. God reveals to us, this is what I'm about to do. Or this is what I would like to do with you. Or this is why I created you and this is what I've made you to do. And then faith is the response that we, that we offer back to God in, in response to what God has revealed. So biblical faith is always a response to God's revelation. He speaks or he reveals what he's about to do. And then we respond accordingly. So you've got these heroes of the faith that we're going to read about uh, next time that, that I speak, next time we, we get together for that. I, I, later in this chapter, he's going to talk about these people. And, and you never see them going to God, hey, God, look, i got a plan. I know you probably had not thought this far down the road, God, but I've got a plan. It wasn't Noah saying, Lord, I've been looking at my neighbors, and that's some wicked people. They are just corrupt to the heart. i got a plan, God. I know it's never rained. Uh, I, but you know what? I got an idea. Why don't I build this great big boat? And why don't I gather a, a bunch of the animals? And I'll put them on the boat and I'll feed them for a little while. And, and God, you, you just create rain. And why don't you let's, let's just let it rain about 40 days? And let's just flood the whole earth. And me and my family will be in a boat with a bunch of animals and we'll float and we'll survive and we'll just start over, God. How about that? Is that the way it went down? How did Noah exercise faith? God says, Noah, let me tell you what I'm fixing to do. You found favor in my eyes, Noah. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend the next hundred years building a boat. And I'm going to send you a bunch of animals that you're going to put on that boat. And nobody's going to listen to you. You're going to be a preacher of righteousness. And you're going to try to warn your neighbors. Nobody's going to listen, Noah, by the way. And you're going to get on that boat. I'm going to close the door. And we're going to start this thing over. Abraham wasn't nearing retirement and and going, you know what? I'm kind of bored. I got an idea, God. Why don't we start a nation together? That's not the way it goes. And, and, And faith, biblical faith, never starts with me and my dream. It starts with God and his revelation. It's always God saying, this is what I'm about to do. And then by faith, I say, Lord, I want to be a part of that. I want to join you in that. Biblical faith is always a response to God's revelation. It doesn't start with us. But faith always requires action on our part. God says, here's what I'm about to do. And we say, Lord, I want to be a part of that. I want to join you in what you're about to do. It's a response, and it requires a change in our plans. That's why the Bible says God's plans are, are higher, greater than our plans. And so if I want to join God's plans, i got to let go of mine. And i got to say, Lord, this is, this is what you're doing? I want to be a part of that. Well, you can't be a part of that and stay where you're at. So for Abraham, he had to leave his home country and to follow the Lord. For Noah, he had to set aside. Noah was the worker of the land. He was a, a, a farmer. Set that aside and become a builder. Oh wow you got to leave something behind in order to go forward in faith with god and so this is what faith is is a response to what god is revealing to us we change something in our lives because of what god has revealed so revelation comes in a lot of different ways how does god speak to us how does god make known to us what he's doing well he can do it through the bible he can do it through the revelation that came through Jesus Christ. He can do it through a brother or sister in Christ speaking truth and speaking the gospel to us. is why we need to be in community. He speaks to us when we pull aside and have a quiet time. Listen, the reason you have a quiet time and a time to, to read your Bible each day is not so you can check that off and say, God, I'm a good Christian. It's because I need to know what God's up to. And I learned that by reading God's word. I need to know what God's character's like because I'm called to look like him. And if I'm not reading his word, then I don't know what he looks like and I don't know what I'm supposed to be. So we don't have a quiet time just to say we had a quiet time. We have a quiet time to say, Lord, I need to know more about what you're doing because by faith I want to join you. Because when I join you by faith, guess what? That's pleasing to you. And without that, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And that's not pleasing to God. So we, 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 we look for him through, through the Bible, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, through our brothers and sisters in Christ, through examining the life of Christ. And, and, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if I want to be like Jesus and I want to be like the Father, then I look at Jesus. And I read the pages and I see his compassion. I see his love. And I go, man, I, I've got a long way to go. Let's work on that together. So he, he reveals the truth. And then we trust him to fulfill what he has just spoken to us. And that kind of trust that we place in God's word drives the way that we live. It changes the way that we see the future. It changes why I get out of bed every morning. It's the confident assurance that what God has revealed will come to be. And it will come to be in his perfect timing, not mine. Sometimes faith makes us wait a long, long time. Noah waited 100 years for this thing called rain that they had never seen before. But it came. And I guarantee you, he was glad he built that boat. And he's glad he did it the way God told him to do it so it'd float see, sometimes it takes a long time for these things to come, but we can have the confident assurance that even though I don't see it right now, it's coming and God's going to grant it. Not because I wanted it, but because God spoke, this is what I'm about to do. My confidence is in him and his plan, not me and my plan. My confidence is in his character and his faithfulness, not in mine. If he says it, then it will come to pass. So even when I can't see it, I can trust that it will come. And that becomes my hope. How do you keep doing what you're doing? Because I have this hope that's built on Christ. He has said this is what he wants. This is how he's doing it. This is where he's headed. And and, and I hope and I, I put my confidence that he will do that. Now guys, hope that he talks about here is always future looking. I don't hope that one day I'll find the perfect wife. I've already found her. It's not hope. I don't hope for something that I already have. It's already here. Hope is always future looking. Now maybe based upon some things that God's done in the past. That gives me the confidence and the hope to know that he'll continue to do that in the future. But hope is always future looking. And, and faith drives our hope. Hope, in this sense, the way it's used in the Bible, is not wishing. Oh, I hope that one day. That's just wishful thinking. That's not the hope the Bible talks about here. This hope is a a confidence based upon the character of God, based upon the faithfulness of God. Now, what happens is hope is not this wishing. It's It's a knowing and it's being sure. But what happens in some biblical teaching is that we reverse this and we twist it. And maybe this will sound familiar to you. There's a lot of teaching out there on television. There's a lot of teaching out there in, in, all over that reverses it and says this is what faith is. This is the unbiblical teaching. This unbiblical teaching says, well, if you want something or you hope to get something, then you just need to have faith and believe, and God will do it. That's reversing. I have faith that gives me hope, not hope that provides this, this need to be faithful. Faithful. And to have faith. So they say if you you want something, you just got to believe it and have faith enough and then it will come to pass. But that type of system makes you the master. And it makes God your servant. I know what's best for me. And God, this is what I want. Listen, if you will make me fill in the blank, then I could do all these things for you then I could be somebody, then Lord, everybody would know. If you will do for me, this is what I want. And so God, I'm going I'm I'm to speak it, I'm going to believe it, and then you've got to grant it. But who does that put in control? Me. And God becomes a little genie. We rub the bottle, he pops out and says, what would you like? And that's not biblical. That's not at all biblical faith. You become the master and God becomes your servant. That's unbiblical. You say, well, then, Rob, why is it that when I look at these people that teach this stuff and believe this stuff, it seems to work for them? I mean, how many millions of dollars is Joel Osteen worth? Why is it that it seems to work for them? Well, I can think of two reasons. Two possibilities. Maybe God's just gracious despite our ignorance because none of us have it all figured out. Maybe there are those that believe that and, and they're, they're genuine and they're sincere. They're, they're not right in it, but, but nevertheless, God's just gracious despite their ignorance. And the second possibility is not quite so much fun to think about, but I think it's real. The second reason that it seems to work for some people is this that if Satan can get me to believe a lie, he'll bless me for it. If if Satan can throw something out there that's going to be less than pleasing to God, and I will buy it, and I will be happy with it, and I will be satisfied with it, then he'll say, Hey, you can have all you want because you're not gonna be pleasing to God that way. And that's all that matters to him is that we not live lives pleasing to God. So he will throw us a bone. He'll, he'll give us a blessing. He will, he, will, he, will, he will pour out as much stuff as he needs to pour out on us to keep us living a lie. Because as long as I'm living the lie, then I'm not living a life pleasing to God. And that's all he cares about, is that I not live my life pleasing to God. So maybe, maybe it's God's grace just saying, hey, look, you're not there yet. You got a little growing to do. And, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a blessing anyway. Or maybe it's that Satan... We'll pour out his blessings if I'll just believe the lie. Satan's not opposed to you being rich or happy or successful, as long as you are less than pleasing to God. We don't measure it that way, do we? Oh, that person's successful, man. That's the blessings of God upon their life. Maybe it's not the blessing of God. Maybe it's not. So the real question here is, is our faith biblical? Or am I just getting a lot of stuff from the devil to keep me from really seeking God and being pleasing to him? Are you seeking God for the stuff that God can give you? Are you seeking God because he is your treasure? Why why do we seek God? Why do we pursue God? Why do we have faith? Is it so that I can get more stuff? Do I see faith as this tool of manipulation that that if I I will just do it this way or believe it this way or say it that way, then God will just give me everything I want? So the real question is, are, are we seeking this health and wealth and worldly comforts? Are we seeking God himself in our lives? How we define faith really matters. It's critical to where we're going to end up. Do we want to control our future and God be our servant? Or do we want God to be the master and us to be his servant? So faith is not telling God what you want and then just believing that he will do it. Faith is listening to what God says and then saying, Lord, I believe that's, that's what you said, and I believe that's what you're going to do, and I would really like to be a part of that. I want to trust you, Lord, in this. And I'm going to trust you enough to obey you and to join you. So faith never, ever starts with us. So what does faith require of me? If I'm going to exercise faith and live a life that's pleasing to God, what, what does it require from me? Well, if faith is a response to what God reveals, then the first thing is pretty obvious. If I'm going to live by faith, then what it requires of me is that I listen. <laughs> that, that, I, that I listen. I can't respond to something I'm not hearing. You ever, you ever said something to your spouse and they just keep walking? And you're like, I know this never happened to y'all. It happens to Janet all the time. Okay, She'll say something I'll just keep walking and she's like, did he not hear me? if I'm going to respond by faith to God's revelation, then guess what? I need to be listening for that revelation. I need to be in God's Word. I need to to listen when a brother or sister in Christ talks to me. I need to listen when the Word's preached. I need to listen anywhere, anytime that, that God begins to speak. I need to be listening. And here's what happens. Satan can get us so busy doing everything else that there's no time left to listen. And if there's no time left to listen, then there's going to be no response, and then my life's not going to be pleasing to God. I may accomplish all the things of this world and miss the very thing that matters most. Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So if I want to live by faith, that means I've got to carve out some time to really begin to listen to what the Lord's trying to say to me. I can't just fill my schedule full of everything else and hope and pray that God's going to say something and hope and pray that I can live a life pleasing to God. We don't seek God, guys, so we can check it off on our to-do list. We we seek God because we need to know Him, and we need to know, Lord, what are you doing today? Where can I join you? Where are you at work, and, and how can I be a part of that? So the first thing is obvious, that we need to be listening to God. We we want to know Him more. We want to know His plans. We want to get up every morning and say, Lord, what are you you going to be busy about? What are you going to be doing? How can I be a part of that? Oh, you're going to be working over here today? Lord, that's that's where I want to go to work then. You're going to bring somebody along today that I need to to have compassion upon? Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be ready for that. I'm going to be looking for that. It requires that I listen to God. I can't respond if I'm not listening. The second thing that faith requires is not just that I listen, but that I surrender. And that's tough. Okay, so let's say I'm listening and now God's speaking and God's saying, hey, let me show you what, what I'm fixing to do and let me show you some changes that have got to take place if, if you're going to be a part of that. Then the next step is I've got to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to let go. Of that stuff that I was living for, and I'm just going to go full throttle after you. I'm going to die to myself that I might live pleasing to you. Does that make sense? So it's not just enough to listen and say, "Oh, now I know where God's working." But now, in order to be where God's working, I got to leave where I'm at, and I got to I got to get there. I I, I got to surrender. I got to die to myself. I've got to trust that his plans are better than my plans that his ways are higher than my ways. I've got to trust that doing his will will bring me more joy than doing my will. And that's the problem with some of us. Is we say, "Okay, I know what God's doing, but that doesn't look like much fun." That looks like work. And so what we have to do is to say, Lord, you know, I'm going I'm to die to myself. I'm going to surrender so that I can go forward with you. I've got to trust that you will provide more joy than the stuff of this world can provide. I've got to make sure that my heart is really centered upon him and not upon myself. I've... I've got to make sure that my eyes are focused forward on eternity and not just in the present on right now. I'll never exercise biblical faith as my heart is captivated by anything other than God and how easily our hearts are captivated by other stuff. I'll never exercise biblical faith if I'm living for anything More than I'm living for the Lord. To pursue God and to pursue His plans, I've got to let go of mine. And that's not easy. I've got to say no to my flesh in order for my spirit to to engage with, with God. So it requires that I listen, it requires that I surrender. And finally, faith requires a response. It's not just enough to say, okay, Lord, I hear, okay. And Lord, I, I really want to do that. But now I've got to get up and go do it. Now I've got to get up and, and, and actually move forward with him. And, and, and in that process of, of leaving behind and, and moving forward, it looks risky. Abraham leaving his homeland, leaving his family, leaving everything that he knew to that point in his life to go to a place that he didn't even know where he was going. That looked risky to everybody but Abraham. And for Abraham, it wasn't risky because he knew in whom he was placing his trust. He knew if God says, I'm going to make a nation out of you, God would make a nation out of him. If God said, i got a land that I'm going to give to you, then God was going to give him that land. It looked like nonsense to everybody else. But Abraham knew that this is what God had for him. I still remember graduating seminary. Janet was pregnant. We were going to graduate six weeks before Catherine was born. And I remember thinking, Lord, I've I got to have a place to go to work. Janet had been working full-time so I could go to school. And now she was fixing to give birth, and, and I needed, I needed to, to find a job. And I'm like, and I interviewed and interviewed and interviewed, and two churches were interested in me. This church, thank God, and then this big church up near Dallas that on paper everything about Dallas looked like the place to go. Huge church. It was a young church. The, the average age was 30 years old, right about my age at that time five, six staff members. It was full, like six or eight buildings with a gymnasium. It was the, the, the church thing, you know? And within 24 hours, both churches offered me a job. And I began to do my little list. Okay, Lord, let's, let's pros and cons, you know? And I researched both churches. <laughs> and I looked at Crossroads and I said, oh gosh, they've had 16 pastors and they're only 30-something years old. And I started researching some more, and I saw that every 18 months it seemed like Crossroads was changing pastors. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, it was a church in the country. I'm a city boy from Houston. Oh gosh. I drove down 109 and I looked at some of the homes, and I'm thinking, oh. I kind of made the loop through the bluff and, and saw more, and thought, oh my gosh. Then I'm out Delbert and I thought, Lord, it can't be, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but here's the deal. Two churches. And I still remember I had a mentor in seminary, one of my one of our professors. And I went to him and I said, I have got two churches that offer me a job. One is in this rural place called Vinton, Louisiana. You've never heard of it. You never will. Cause by that point, the little carload of Mexicans that were naked came to town. That was a week after I moved here. We hadn't hit the map until I got here. Okay. Um, And I remember taking this list, literally my my list of pros and cons about both churches because I would researched them both, and said to him, I said, dude, i I got to make a decision. Both churches offer me a job. Where do I go? What do I do? And I laid the list before him. He was sitting at a desk. I laid it before him, and I said, what do you think? And I'm looking over his shoulder, and he looked back at me, and he goes, you've been smoking weed? And I'm like, what? He goes, are you doing some kind of drugs? And I said, well, no. And he says... Dallas, dude, this is, this is a no-brainer. Why are you wasting my time? I said, I really feel that God may want me to go to Fenton. He says, there's no way. No way. I said, okay, thanks. Went home. Janet and I talked and prayed, and we just felt like this is where God wanted us to come. Nothing about it made sense on paper. But everything in our hearts said this is the place that God wanted us to come. Sometimes when we follow the Lord's revelation, it doesn't make sense to anybody else. Nobody else. But it makes sense to us. And I will tell you this, in the tough days that came, the only thing that could keep me here was knowing that God had put me here. So when people came in my office and said, well, we're here to run you out of town and we're... All I could say was take your best shot because I believe God's put me here and I believe God will keep me here till he's done with me. It's that kind of confidence, guys, that gives us the hope that we have, the confidence to keep going when things get tough. He, he's going to give us examples here just in these first few verses uh, of, of two different people. Look at this Look at this example. He says, he says there's this guy named Abel. It was Adam and Eve's first, second child, Abel. And, and, and Abel was a, a, a tender of the flocks. If you go back in Genesis chapter 4, you can read the story that, that both brothers, Cain and Abel, both bring an offering to God. One is a farmer, and he brings forth some of the grain. He just says he brought some of his grain. You've got Abel, who is a tender of the flock, who brings to God the first fruit, the firstborn of his flock, and offers it to God. One is giving out of the first fruit. you know what that means? This is the first I've got, Lord. I'm giving it to you, and I'm trusting you're going to give me some more. The other one brings in a big crop, goes and eats, and goes, Okay, I've got some leftovers here. God, here, I'll give that to you. One's pleasing God, one's not. One's by faith, and one's not. And I want you to notice here, because if if nothing else in Scripture smacks in the face of this name-it-and-claim-it garbage that's being taught, look at what this says. He says, Through faith, though he died, Hello, Hello, Abel was commended by God as being righteous, commended by God as being acceptable to God, and he died. He gives an offering to God. God accepts his offering. God rejects his brother's offering. And his brother goes, hey, let's go out in the woods and have a talk. And he doesn't come back. Where does that fit in your name claim claimant stuff? He was faithful to God and he died almost instantly. And yet, that faith still speaks. He's painting for us the, the gamut of what faith does here. This guy's faith was real, it was acceptable to God, God commends him, and he dies. And then there's Enoch. Enoch was a man who lived... And he's like the great-great-grandfather of Noah. And all we, we get five verses of Enoch in, in Genesis chapter 5. And this is what it says in, in, in summary. Enoch had a kid, walked with God 300 years, and God just took him on to heaven. Abel has faith and he dies. Enoch has faith and he doesn't have to die. And faith is going to be experienced everywhere in between those two, those two bookends. And we're going to see in, in the rest of this chapter as he begins to unfold what faith looks like that it, it's not this miraculous, heroic thing, it's the day to day living. All Enoch did get up tomorrow and walk with God, go to bed. Get up the next day and walk with God, and go to bed. Get up, the, we don't know anything else Enoch did. For 300 years, he gets up and he walks with God. And God was so pleased. He goes, Enoch, hey, guess what? You get to skip death. Come on. And it says that, that he could not be found. You know what that means? Everybody kept looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? Did he go out in the woods in us Search the woods. Did he go up on the mountain in us Look on the mountain. And they couldn't find him. You know why? Because he walked with God and God took him. Faith is not a formula that we use to manipulate God. That's not what it is. It's not that I'm the master and I tell God what I want and God becomes my servant and does it. That's not at all what it is. Faith is something that, that, that we walk with God and it looks risky, yet it's the most cer- certain step that we will ever take. But let me warn you this. Faith will cost you something. It will cost you something. If you want to walk by biblical faith, it it, will cost you something. You've got to forego the temporal in order to gain the eternal. You've got to look beyond today and and, and live for tomorrow. One of the things that we'll see here in chapter 11 is it's going to continually say, "And, and, and these all died having not received what they were promised. Because why? God had something greater for them on the other side. You live with your feet in the moment, but your mind on forever. And because of that, you know what? You can endure an awful lot right now. Faith should drive all that we say and all that we do. It ought to be the thing that, that we seek to live out every day. You, you, you want You wouldn't be here if you didn't want your life to be pleasing to God. You certainly wouldn't waste an hour to come listen to a guy like me speak if you didn't want to be pleasing to God. So here he's telling us how to be pleasing to God. We've got to walk by faith. Well, that requires me to listen, it requires for me to surrender, it requires for me to step out and to follow him. And it's going to cost me something. The world may laugh and mock, they may scratch their head and go, What the world? I had that professor tell me, What are you thinking? I got to Crossroads within the first month that I was here. I had a pastor friend call me and say this to me. He said, I hear you're inventing. And I was so excited. I'm like, Yeah. He goes, What a mistake. I said, What do you mean? He goes, You just killed your career. Nobody will ever find you inventing when it's time to move to the next level. This is a guy that I respected. And it kind of set me back. And I I remember I got angry. And we were talking. He goes, yeah, he says, you just killed your career. And I said, brother, this is the way I look at it. And maybe I'm wrong. But if God put me in Vinton and he wants to move me somewhere else, I think he knows where to find me. Until then, I'm just going to serve. And I'm just going to love these people. And I'm going to do the best I can to shepherd them. But if God told me to come here, then God knows where to find me. If he ever wants to move me. Guys, listen, we, we are called to listen to the voice of God, to respond to his revelation, which means I've got to surrender my own dreams and my own plans to, to take up something that's far better, that will bring me far more joy in the end than anything this world can offer me. And when I do that, then, then and I hear and I surrender, then I am more than willing to step out and to move, even if it looks risky to the rest of the world. And in that process, we experience the blessings of God. And we can live our life going to bed at night going, you know what? Today was a day of faith. And today, by the grace of God, I was pleasing in God's sight. That's how we are called to live. Now, he's going to take us on through this and walk us through these people who who were were held up as heroes in the eyes of, of, of the believers. But here's what I want to do. I, I want to ask you over the next two weeks just to read through this list a couple times. But, but when you read the list, I want you to not look at just the person. You're going to go, oh, there's David. Yeah, I remember David. He was king. I want you to, to, to look at the list and go, how did David exercise faith? They're going to mention some names in here that you've you probably never even picked up on before. And you're going to go, who's this Jephath guy? How, how, did, how did he exercise faith? Because what we're going to learn through these people's lives is this, okay? And then I'm going to close. What we're going to learn is that faith looks different for every one of us. It's not a magic formula. It's not this fall in line, say these things, chant these things, believe these things, and, and, and all your wishes will come true. For some, it was they're scared to death and they stepped out anyway. For others, there was a burning bush and they said, wow, I have no choice but to, to go. For others, it was, just, it was just day-to-day walking with God. It's, it's Faith is going to look different for every one of us. But if I'm going to be pleasing to God, then I've got to learn to walk by faith every day. And every day that I do is a day that I've lived a life pleasing to God. And every day that I don't is another wasted day that will not matter for eternity. So here's the question. Is the faith that you've been living biblical faith? Or have you bought into this lie that faith is you telling God what you want and just trusting that he's got to come through and, and, and deliver it? And if you bought the lie, maybe today's the day you say, you know what, Lord, I want to I get biblical. I want to be biblical in my faith because that's the only kind of faith that will be pleasing to you. Don't settle for the stuff of this world. Satan will give you all you want. As long as he can keep you displeasing to God. Seek the Lord. Not because you have to, but because you want to be pleasing to him. And you want to hear what he's got going on. So you can can join him and be a part of that. Let's pray.